Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America located in Washington, D.C. provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Wait, what the hell is in my ear? You got yours. That's just an extra here. I'm going to take it with me. This is mine. Oh, okay. You brought your own? Yeah, we do. They have these out here. Kristen, you just put a random one in my ear? For Johnny Germaphobe? He'll eat, a, he'll eat a hamburger off the ground at LaGuardia, but he will not put a an unknown earpiece. I better not have an ear infection tomorrow. Oh, first of all, I should mention that Miles is here today. Chris apparently had a bad hamburger on the floor of LaGuardia. Chris, I hope it's food poisoning. I hope it's not a bug, because if he got me sick twice in a three-week span, I am not going to be happy. I don't know. We have a mystery here that we need to solve. We got to solve it. I couldn't have given it to you. I couldn't have given the horrible stomach bug to you if you had a stomach bug because I'm fine. I'm nervous that I'm fine. I'm waiting for the third prong of the COVID kidney stone, whatever comes next, but... (laughs) I have I have a vomit streak intact back to the day after Super Bowl 39. Wow. So I'm fine. That's and good. I was nervous for a day or two that maybe whatever had you praying to the porcelain god was eventually going to afflict me, but I'd like to think the incubation period has passed, that it wasn't a bug, that it was some bad pasta and meatballs from Sunday night's spread, although I ate that too, and I was fine. Right. And again, I'm Italian. I may be impervious to any imperfections in pasta and meatballs, but it's good that you're back. I was worried about you. It sounded like you were pretty sick. I Thank you. Yeah, I was. And I, I mean, I think you can feel comfortable. I don't know anybody that has the bug. Like, I've texted around the office a little bit. Uh, I've asked. Like, nobody... I don't know of anyone that had a bug similar. So that's where it's led me. And for how violently I was sick on Monday morning without getting too graphic, 
Uh, I, I just, I, I don't know. I had have a hard time believing that was the flu anyways. I, I did have takeout food on Saturday night. I will say on Sunday when we were at work, hanging, watching the games, my stomach was weird that day. I kept like, I was going, man, I'm very like, I felt like bloated and, you know, gurgly a little bit down there. We did the show Monday. I got home. My stomach was still feeling weird. I ate breakfast, right? So I was like, okay, I don't know. Some, my stomach's weird, but I feel really good. That's what I told my wife. I go, my stomach's weird, but I feel good. And then I said that, and I'm going to say an hour later, all of a sudden I was like, uh-oh, whoa, wait, this went to another level. And I kind of got nauseous and didn't feel right, like seriously. And that just like progressively got more and more aggressive, Mike, like to where you know how it goes. You get a little relief. You go lay in bed. You go, okay, I'm good. You know, but then it was like 20 minutes later, I'm back, you know, with the porcelain God again. And then the time got shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter to where all of a sudden, like, you know, you're kind of just gutting it out and like, man, I'm miserable, whatever. And I kind of looked at my clock and I was like, whoa, I've been... You know, now I'm not going back to my bed. I'm just hanging in the closet close to the toilet. And I'm going, whoa, I, I've been here for three and a half hours now doing the same thing. And I was getting ready to finally go. I think, you know, hey, Danielle, my wife, you might have to take me to the hospital. I, I might have, you know, serious food poisoning here. And just as that kind of happened, it started to like calm down a little bit to where I had relief. And yeah, I haven't eaten much over the last few days. I've definitely lost a few pounds, but I'm here. And uh, sorry to miss Tuesday's show. I don't like missing the show. I don't. And again, at the risk of disrupting anyone's breakfast activities, yeah. was it ever a both-end situation or it was just a one-end situation? Well, I mean, since you ask, yes, it was definitely a both-end <laughs> situation. Yes, constantly, consistently <laughs> on that. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, you had to ask, didn't you? There's nothing, you know? fun, there's nothing funny about it. There's nothing funny about it, but you're okay. Yeah. But, you know, do you get do you get a physical? Do you get an annual physical? You know, you get I, annual physical I, just I, in case to make sure you're okay. I don't, you know, I don't get it. It's actually probably been two or three years since I've got it. I, I get my blood checked and go through something like that. But, like, actually where stick your tongue out uh, and do all that. I don't think I've gotten that in two years, actually. I will say that. Yeah, I get one every June. Like once we get to the PFT Live hiatus, one right. of the first orders of business is go up to Pittsburgh and get a full physical with everything. Just the whole, the whole, the the whole, the whole thing. shebang, huh? And yeah, yeah, the whole thing. So it's just you know you're you're on the wrong side of forty. So it's something that you should be doing every year. Yeah, not that you need to hear it from me. You have to make your own decisions, but. You just want to make sure that there isn't something else going on beyond food poisoning. But let's just let's hope it was food poisoning. And I've had that once. And it Ooh. still not as bad as a kidney stone. Right. But a different kind of kick your ass for multiple days. You're just worthless. You can't do anything. Oh, that's right. You have no energy. No energy. And I remember drinking a can of root beer. I never drink root beer. Regular full of sugar root beer and it tasted like the greatest heaven. thing ever like once <laughs> right. i finally felt better right that, that can of hires root beer <laughs> that i got out of the that i got out of the vending machine at the law school was the best friggin can of root beer i've ever had in my life oh i i Maybe hear that one. i hear that well because so I, I got to the point you know because of things we've already described and prior in this conversation where i was 
so thirsty, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, just drop me under a waterfall and let me just drink until the cows come home. And of course, I drank some water and chugged, ended up, you know, chugging it down like, oh, this is the greatest water ever. But of course, like a minute and a half later, I'm, I was back over by the porcelain god again, right? So ginger ale is what was the only thing there for a while that I could get to like sit in my stomach, wet my mouth a little bit and make me feel better that way. Uh, and yeah, that, that's where I'm, I'm low on energy even today, just because I've, I've, I've only had like three meals over the last three days. Uh, but, but definitely on the mend and, and feeling a little bit better uh, as we go on here. I mean, I don't know whether it's the power of suggestion, but you do look thinner in the face. No, I, I mean, I, if you've eaten three meals in three days yeah. and you're as big as you are and you lost as much as you did, it, you, you probably should look thinner in the face over yeah. the past three days. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, it's, Hell of a weight loss plan. Oh, I know, right? I know. My, my wife at one point, she's like, I wish that would happen to me. And I was like, no, you don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but I'm good. Well, a Thursday night game. Uh, I'm glad you're fine. I was trying Thank to you. Gonna, Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Let's do it. I had a... Because I, I got a snarky, I got a snarky. You know, some of these Thursday night games may induce nausea, but tonight's yeah in that category. Yeah, there, there are some coming that will, though. There are some coming. Bears Panthers is coming, baby. But for now, it's Jaguars at Saints. Neither team has a losing record, which is a positive. The Jaguars at four and two, first place in the AFC South. The Saints in that cluster of teams trying to win the NFC South. Technically, the Bucks are in first place because they're 3-2. and two. Saints-Falcons 3-3. Three and three. Panthers bringing up the rear at 0-6. And, and the big question for tonight, and we were talking about this before the show, and I addressed this yesterday on PFTPM. There's been a lot of quarterback injuries this year. There's been a lot. Like half the league, at some point or another, has had an injury issue with its starting quarterback. Whether it's a current question mark, whether it's past games missed, past games where the guy clearly wasn't right and we have it tonight with Trevor Lawrence knee injury questionable this goes back to Sunday got it injured late in the home game against the Colts he was walking funny coming through the tunnel Devin McCourty and I both noticed that we had footage of him coming in from the states like yeah something's he's got a little hitch in the giddy up there something's not right and it's the knee and short week, this is one of the realities, short week. Maybe by Sunday, he'd have been fine. By Thursday, who knows? Who knows if it's going to be him or C.J. Beathard? But that really, Chris, is, is the big question going. And this one, and Derek Carr still has lingering injury. Shoulder and chest shows up on the injury report. I think he was limited in practice, maybe on the day, Monday, when they really don't practice, but they list the injuries that right. would have limited them in practice if they had. So both quarterbacks with that injury issue, Carr, no question about him playing. Trevor Lawrence, we'll find out 90 minutes before kickoff whether or not we're going to see him. Yeah, that's a big deal. Of course, it adds to the intrigue of the game. I mean, it adds into the intrigue of the game if he plays. You want to see Trevor Lawrence play. I mean, he's on a trajectory right now and, and, and been playing some football where yeah, he's he's one of the best in the sport, certainly one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the game. I don't think you could you know disagree with that no matter who you are there. Uh, and, and then, you know, there's a lot of beat up people in this football game. But but the, the, the thing that's big with this one, hey, you know, the Saints, of course, you know, not playing their best football. And they need to win, win the football game. Uh, the Jaguars, you see the list here of all the guys on the Jaguars and the Saints that are beat up in this game. But 
But, you know, the Jaguars, to me, Mike, and I think you've heard me say this a little bit, and I said this on you know, Football Night in America last week, they're, they're one of these teams right now on, on the short list where I go, they're, they're not just a playoff contender, they're a Super Bowl contender. Uh, I think they're that good. You know, early season, you know, kind of getting their footing underneath them. Uh, the last few weeks here, it, it's got going in the right direction. Dominating the Bills in London last week, dominating the Colts in Jacksonville, right? You look at their roster and the talent they have, you go, yeah, there's not really many weak spots across the board, right? Uh, so they're an impressive football team. We saw them go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs. We talked that talked about that before. So that's where you want them to play. You want to see this team continue to kind of gain that momentum. And, of course, we want to see one of the best players in the game throw the ball around a little bit here's Trevor Lawrence from earlier this week talking about the challenge of playing through the knee injury that he suffered on Sunday I haven't missed a game in my career you know obviously I'm only in my third year but um, I take a lot of pride in that and being available and being there and being able to play and um, compete every week I think that's something that I take a lot of pride in is there some sort of badge of honor that comes with quarterbacks showing toughness in these, in, at times, when they can? Of course. I, this game is about toughness, and it's about, at times, playing through injuries. I think there's a – I mean, it's – but but it's also you got to be smart, and, and you know the position that we're in. Because there's there's guys every week that have injuries and might sit out and might not play, and you know they're looking for the long haul of, of not just for themselves but also for the team because you want, you want your guys to be healthy um, in crunch time of the season down the stretch, you know. Sounds like the balance he's trying to strike there as he processes this, wants to be available to his team, but he doesn't want it to get any worse where later in the year there might be an issue with a longer absence. He was limited in practice on Tuesday and Wednesday, did not practice on Monday, but the Jaguars didn't practice on Monday. But if they had practiced, he wouldn't have practiced, yada, yada, yada. I don't know why they even do that. Nobody that plays on Sunday and then plays on Thursday practices on Monday. just doesn't happen. I don't know why they put the report out there other than just to disclose to the world what the injuries are coming out of Sunday. And that's how we were certain that the knee was enough to mention limited Tuesday, limited Wednesday. And they don't practice all that intensely, but he still wasn't able to fully participate in whatever limited practice there was. So it is a question as to whether or not he's going to go tonight. And if it's not him, it's veteran backup C.J. Beathard, who got started with the 49ers, has been in Jacksonville for a couple of years. And backup quarterbacks got to be ready to go. Backup quarterbacks throughout the league got to be ready to go at a moment's notice. At least Beathard will have a chance to prepare if he's going tonight, Chris. Yeah, I would think he got a lot of reps this week, got a lot of talking to in the meetings, right, as he was, as if he was the starting quarterback. You know, that's kind of the way you got to prepare in these moments. Uh, you know, he, he's the guy that you got to kind of bring up to speed and make sure he's comfortable here. You know, you're, you're confident that Trevor, who's been playing and played in six games already, he'll be able to keep pace Why he rehabs, does all that. You know, if he can't do the walkthrough or the jog through, hey, he's standing on the side there getting mental reps. That's what Trevor Lawrence, I, I would think, was doing throughout the week, trying to limit the activity on that knee. Uh, Beathard's played before. You know, he has experience, so, and he's a smart quarterback. He's certainly not going to be like deer in the headlights here tonight. Are they going to be the same team they are without Trevor Lawrence? No. You know, they're not. Of course they're not. Trevor Lawrence is a special talent. But Beathard, can he orchestrate and move, you know, a drive and move the offense and do stuff like that? Of course he can. And the other thing, too, that you, know, you just can't forget is he's got people around him here. You know, Jacksonville, the one thing – 
you know, that you come back to is is balance. You know, they they can do it all, really. They can kind of play through their defense if they want. They can, oh, oh, this is a run game. Here's Travis ATN. We'll run the ball and be effective that way, you know. And, and of course, the pass game is effective, too, with Trevor Lawrence and company. But C.J. Beathard doesn't need to think he needs to do more than, you know, what's asked for tonight. That's for sure. He does have a good football team around him. We'll see where it goes. I hope we don't see him. I hope we don't. You know, it's unfortunate. Like, you know, we talked about Trevor I kind of saw the play at the end of the game and leg looked like he just got twisted as he was going down by the defender tackling him. You know, you can kind of see the guy hold him and now he turns it outside, right? And it makes his knee put in a bad spot. Watch that left leg here. Now the guy's grabbed him. He's rolling. And of gator course, roll. Yeah, gator roll. He gator, gator rolled. And, and of course, and Trevor Lawrence wasn't rolling with him. So I'm sure that is sore. Uh, I, I, I certainly understand that. So we'll see maybe if they put the knee brace on him, do something like that. He definitely won't be as mobile. Uh, but I would think an 85 to 90% Trevor Lawrence that can't do further damage to his knee. I think he plays. I think Trevor's an old school guy being around him a few times. I, I think he will. You know, if it's worse than that, then I think that's where the team and Trevor will back off and we'll see CJ Beathard. I remember once the quarterback goes outside of the pocket, the protection against the hit at or below the knee goes away. You can hit him low. You can grab the leg and gator roll. There's nothing dirty about that. The gator roll has yet to be eliminated from the NFL rule book. Not that it won't be someday, but for now it's fine but it did create that injury. Earlier this week, Jaguars offensive coordinator Press Taylor expressed confidence in the prospect of having to go with QB2, C.J. Beathard. Here's what Taylor had to say. Confidence is very high that we can go out and run our offense and he can function at a high level. Um, he's got experience in this league. He's got experience now in our system. The guys around him trust him. Uh, we know we could go out and function in, in a solid way with the possibility to win the game if that was what we needed to do. Are you having to come up with two different game sheets one if it's trevor one if it's no not really there may be some things that you feature more so if it's one quarterback versus the other but uh no we don't feel like it really affects our offense much i like that he has confidence in the possibility that they'll win the game with cj Beathard. i don't know that's not quite the ringing endorsement that i would want for my backup quarterback oh, you know there's still a chance we'll win with our <laughs> backup quarterback there's still a chance we can score more points than the other team do you think the offense will be different? Do you think it is a different call sheet that maybe we'll see tonight on on Amazon Prime like we did last Thursday night when we got a good look at Sean Payton's call sheet? Yeah, yeah I do. I do think it's a different call sheet for C.J. Beathard. Yeah, I, I don't think it can be, you know, the, it can't be as aggressive. That's probably what I, what I would think of more than anything. Not that it's going to be totally different, but... You know, they might feel that, hey, Trevor can do some things here and make some throws or we could call this play and, you know, feel comfortable that Trevor can physically do that. Where CJ, you know, I think it's not necessarily like, hey, he can't do everything on the field, but you also have to take that approach a little bit of like, hey, we got to do some things to make him feel comfortable early, get him in a rhythm, you know, maybe call some of the simpler plays that he ran back in preseason and stuff like that just to get him going instead of just throwing him out there and doing some of the maybe more advanced stuff that the, the Jaguars do right away. You know, so I don't think it's going to be like a drastic difference that way. I don't. But I think it's like when a guy like C.J. Beathard comes in, uh, I think it's more like, hey, let's – Hey, let's let's think about a few other run game play, you know, run game designs this week. Let's let's 
let's put a few more screens into the receivers and the tight ends and the running back. Those are things that I think will, you know, come about more just to protect C.J. Beathard, maybe play situational football a little bit, maybe play, hey, if it's Trevor Lawrence and we're on the 40-yard line going in and it's third and 12, we might call a play to throw it for 15 yards and get the first down. But with C.J. Beathard, you know, we might run the draw or screen and just get in field goal position, make sure we're, you know, nice and cozy there and knock it in. I think those are the differences in the football game. You know, not nothing too drastic, but I think it just managed different from the sideline from Doug Peterson and, and Press Taylor. And I don't have C.J. Beathard's contract in front of me, but you're still in year three of the Trevor Lawrence rookie deal. You could justify spending more on your backup quarterback. Nothing against C.J. Beathard, but dig a little deeper and have somebody there that that would be able to more fully simulate the starter. Not that there are many guys out there that can play like Trevor Lawrence can. That's why he was the first overall pick in the draft. He's fulfilling his promise. And it's this we talk a lot about this whole why does everybody focus on the Cowboys? Because they're the Cowboys. Why does nobody talk much about the Jaguars? Because they're the Jaguars. They're gonna have to win consistently, get to a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl to become a team that gets the kind of focus that the Cowboys do. But Trevor Lawrence doesn't get that much attention because – and it's it's just the way it is. I'm not making the comment. I'm not saying no. it should be that way. No. It's just the way it is. Yeah. The team is yet to become a national attention, a national draw, and they're in the process of getting there. And if Trevor Lawrence can't play tonight, that's one of the disappointments. This is an opportunity, primetime audience, to watch the Jaguars and to be impressed by what they've done this year. Started with a win – lost two in a row, have won three straight in impressive fashion, and now they get a chance to get four wins in a row tonight with or without Trevor Lawrence on the field. So an opportunity either way to watch the Jaguars, but a big difference if it's the backup. I mentioned the call sheet earlier, yeah, and I'm going to go there since I'm looking at the time, and we've got plenty of time to get through everything we need to get through. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sean Payton's call sheet was shown clearly. You could see two-minute offense, red zone offense, all the play calls. Monday night, you got to look at Mike McCarthy's play sheet. 
with a close up yeah. and his wasn't the big card it there was no. like it was like there was there was you could see there was a uh, what's a spiral a ring, there a spiral that, so ring flipping right. around yeah, yeah ring yeah, so right. yeah does that does that matter Sean Payton downplayed it yesterday that they showed that does that really matter if you know the names of the plays and the groupings of the plays for that game cuz it changes game to game and everybody's got names of their plays does that really matter that, it, that, that that's out there for somebody to study, like the Packers this week can study that as they get ready to play the Broncos. No, they're, they're going to see those things on film anyways and have an idea of things they like to do in the red zone in a general way, right? And then, you know, let's just say he had 20 red zone plays on that sheet last week. You know, this week, you know, yeah, there might be five, eight carryover ones, but there's another going to be another 10, 12, 15 that are they're new to the week, right? And in real time, it's not like, you know, in real time, there's nothing to be gained advantage of. And it, it's hard to really think that there's an advantage that, like, the Packers could, could gleam on and glean on and anything as far as looking at that anyways. You know, you got an idea through film study and all that. You're not like, wait, what's that other – what's play four say just so we can be prepared for that, right? You know, there's, there's, there's rules and things that are set on the defensive side of the ball, and they know how – you know, for the most part, Denver wants to attack. And, of course, there's going to be some things in there that are going to be more specific, you know, just to the Green Bay Packers this week, where last week it was, you know, more specific to exactly what the Kansas City Chiefs there. But, uh, yeah, it's an impressive play sheet. I, I, I do look at that like, you know, his play sheet is pretty tightly packed in there with a lot of fail-safe plans and a lot tinier, tinier writing then it seemed like uh, Mike McCarthy's. Uh, I will say that. Now, Mike McCarthy, I know, had a few pages there, the, the, the look around. But I always am intrigued by the look of these. This is more what I am accustomed to. This is more of a John Great John Gruden type of play sheet that we had. Now, the cool thing, and what I think, and leave this up here, well, it's just like the one thing you got to be a little careful about with stuff like this is, is there any code words there to be gained, right? That would be the one thing that I would be a little worried about. And I think I feel like some of those things might say some of the code words. Like if you look on the left screen there, there's, you know, there's all state and read and bingo and quail and Google. And uh, those are things where, listen, if you were Bill Belichick, he'd look to go, wait, what? Is, uh, let me hear them say Google. Did anybody see a Google? Somebody go back and listen to the game. You know, was there anybody that said Google the week before it in a code word or whatever so they can place that together? That would be a little bit where I'd be worried about it to a degree. Uh, but still, that's hard to piece all that stuff together. Uh, it's an impressive play sheet nonetheless. As Pete points out, the referee's name is at the top oh, yeah. of the sheet. It right. kind of it kind of reminds me of, you know, if you go to a concert and you have binoculars, if you're sitting in crappy seats and you got a view of the stage, you will see on the floor of the stage the name of the city that the band is in. So they remember yeah. to say, hey, Pittsburgh. Hello, Pittsburgh. Yeah, right. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's the, just the reminder when you're upset with something, Sean, 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 Sean. We always uh, had it. We had the list of all the referees on our play sheets, right? We did. You know, Gruden, that was something he did. So we knew on the play sheet, on the bottom right corner of the back side of it, I, I think we had all the referees, a line judge, everybody involved uh, with, with their full name. And I think, of course, that was for him so he could mother F them appropriately when the time, the time came. <laughs> uh. 
So you could use the first name as you utter the profanity. And speaking of profanity, that was my idea. Inspired by the fact that when guys like Peyton Manning were mic'd up for games and didn't want to be, the threat was, I'm just going to make all my Omaha. Instead of Omaha, I'm going to use inappropriate language. Then good luck. Good luck using broadcasting right. the things I say. Why not just put on the call sheet profanity? I'm not going to use any of the profanity I suggested on Twitter here because it's not as fun when you plan it. It's more fun when it blurts out. But why not just put in big letters an F-bomb? And you know, camera's not going to lock on to it then, baby. Well, I can so, remember a few times like Gruden like, looking at it and going like, hey, Sean, and then going, Wait, I mean, hey, effing John. What are they, you know, like he knew he had to read down and look at the, you know, uh, wait, I said the wrong guy's name and doing that. So it, it does, it is helpful. And, and with the, the number of the guy on there too. So you really could, you know. You missed my point. Uh, you missed my point. Put the profanity on there so they wouldn't take the shot of it. Yeah, yeah. So I when got, you hold oh, it up, I got you, if it got says F-K-Y-O-U in yeah. big letters across the top, they're probably not going to run with that <laughs> camera right. when right. they're calling up the shots in the truck. You're That's right. a good way to do it. Uh-huh. And, you know, the other reason that we see these things is because <laughs> they're, trying to, they're trying to block their, their mouth. Right. Because they don't want people reading their lips. And my son said to me the other night when they showed Mike McCarthy with the call sheet, like, like, wh- why do they care if, like, they're showing what the plays are. How in the world is anybody figuring out in real time what he's saying and transmitting it to somebody? Like, why are they so obsessed with cover? Okay. <laughs> Mike McCarthy's call sheet is not quite as detailed, at least not as it relates to them. Okay, that's, that'll, that, that will be fine. Um, I act like I disapprove. I sent it to Pete. But anyway... Why are they covering their mouth? Why don't they want people to read their lips, Chris? It's over, overthinking it a little bit, paranoia, all of it. In real time, you're right. You know, there, there's nothing that's going to be done. It's not going to be like, you know, you read Mike McCarthy's lips. Somebody in the upstairs box is like, hey, he said 73Z, bingo. Hey, guys, get ready. Hey, get it down to the players. It's 73Z, bingo. And then, like, what, that, that's only going to confuse people and do things. I think it's yeah. really more for the next week's opponent. That's really where, you know, it's a little bit like, let me not have too many times where you could see the play call and they might be able to piece something together. But more times than not, it's way too overanalyzing the situation and going way too deep into the situation. Uh, you're right. It's not going to be used. Uh, the only thing that I think that gets really used against players and coaches and offenses especially is the code words at the line of scrimmage, right, and the hand signals. Those are things that people will certainly look at and try to break down and see if they can't figure something out through that. The sideline stuff, I never heard – anything that was like, oh, we read his lips and we pieced it together, right? I can remember in New England on a Saturday, you know, though, like we're not, we're, we're, the buses are outside, they're ready to leave and we're waiting and it's because like Bill's got somebody, Belichick's got somebody in there, wait, I remember a game and, you know, three years ago where the mic was on and we could hear checks and maybe that's where, you know, there's something to figure out. But, you know, as far as reading the lips and all that, yeah, I think that's a little overplayed. Is part of it, because I was trying to understand why they would be so concerned about, you know, giving up the secrets on their play sheet 
So the secrets coming out of the way they're moving their mouths are protected. Like it's you're making a value judgment here. I'll show you my play sheet because I don't want you to see my mouth. Is it possible that maybe some of the communication other than the play call, they don't want people to see? That like, you know, calm too. down or, they, you know, uh, you maybe, know, here, maybe an you're again. You're doing it again. You know, like, come on, man, you got to calm down. We've been through this, you know, just things that would show a little bit more about the relationship between the play caller and the quarterback. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's some of that uh, probably too. Like it just being careful, over careful about all of it. But usually even in those instances, right, you, know, you have to have a rare psycho. Every now and then, again, now I'll go back to John Gruden. He might have been like, hey, what the F are you looking at there? And then it'd go back to, okay, next play, right? But like, but for the most part, in those situations, even when the quarterback's not doing good or whatever else, it's positive because you're not trying to get in your own quarterback's head during the middle of a football game, right? So, you know, for a lot of these guys, the quarterback could have missed like seven completions in a row and had a, you know, interception and whatever else, and they're still staying positive and trying to put positive vibes and messages in his brain. So, like, even that, I think, is few and far between in, in that conversation. I really think it's just a paranoid, conservative group. It's become a thing a little bit, and it's almost like, like you know, habit-forming as far as what these coaches and play callers do now. All right, let's get back to tonight's game, the Jaguars at the Saints. And we showed you injuries earlier that were just One Jaguars side. offense, yeah. Saints defense. There's plenty of injuries when the Jaguars are on defense and the Saints are on offense. Ryan Ramchick, starting tackle, out with a concussion. Cornerback Tyson Campbell, out with a hamstring. James Hurst, out with an ankle. Landon Young, out with a hip. Juwan Johnson, out with a calf. And running back Jamal Williams, who had been on injured reserve, he's back, but he's questionable with the hamstring injury that landed him on injured reserve. The Saints are expected to start Trevor Penning, who was benched before last week's game, and possibly Cam Irving from the practice squad. Both starting tackles and backup Landon Young out tonight. So that's an issue for Derek Carr and the rest of the Saints offense, Chris. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, those are, there's some big names there. And on that, you know, list on both lists we've showed. Uh, so yeah, this is going to affect the football game. But when you're talking about, hey, a, an offensive line like the Saints got to be that banged up, both starting tackles. I don't care who your backups are. You're not going to be the same offense there. And Jacksonville's D line's real deal. I mean, that's the other thing too. They got it. They got it all. They got size. They got multiple edge pass rushers. You know, they can be versatile. They're creative in what they do. Right, they got a pretty cool blitz package. Right, they don't over blitz, but they got a nice touch there. Uh, so th that's where. And then you talked about earlier, Derek Carr. He's already dealing with a banged up shoulder, and now you're going to have to deal with it against this defense and and not having your own line at full strength. That is something to worry about in this football game, definitely. And then even hey, Tyson Campbell on the Jaguars. He's one of the best corners in football. He is phenomenal. He's an island corner, right? Some of the grading companies won't have high grades on them, and this is where these grading companies are flawed. You know, the corner who just drops back and plays cover three gets a plus grade all game. Here's a guy that goes, wait, I'm going to cover the best receiver on the field wherever he goes. And, of course, what's that lead to? Some plays that are negative. And all of a sudden you look and you go, well, wait, he's the 34th-ranked corner in football. And you go, nah, he's being asked to do things that the number two and three-ranked cornerback don't even have to do. They just drop back and 
zone and go, I hope my pass rush gets there quickly. So there's a difference there. But, man, there's some big players here that are that are banged up for this football game, and it's going to affect the, the quality of the game and, and the matchup overall. And this gets back to that whole short week question of how many of those guys, if it was a Sunday game, yeah. would have been able to play. Maybe none, maybe none, but with the benefit of those three extra days, maybe some, and it changes the quality of the game. But that's that's a ship that sailed seven, eight years ago. Once it became clear that the NFL was determined to do it, the NFL Players Association was willing to take 50% of the revenue coming from it. And remember, Amazon's paying a billion a year or more for the rights to these short week games. That's why they do it. It's all part of the effort to maximize the revenue because at the end of the day, football is business. Football is family is something they say because it's good for business to say football is family. Football is business. And this is a big part of the business, the Thursday night game each and every week. And we enjoy it because we're able to watch one game at a time. Although the quality of this game might not be as good as it would be on Sunday. On Sunday, it would be subsumed within all the other games. We wouldn't notice. Tonight, we notice good, bad, or otherwise. All right, let's pivot to a Sunday game between a couple of teams that may not have their starting quarterback. And it's not. And there's a, there's a couple of games where both teams aren't going to have their starting quarterback. Uh, Raiders at Bears. No starting quarterbacks likely in that one. Browns at Colts. Good chance no starting quarterbacks likely in that one. We'll talk about the Colts quarterback coming up later. Here's Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson meeting with reporters for the first time in a while. He hasn't been playing. Here he is from yesterday on his shoulder injury. He explains why he didn't play in that Ravens game when he said he was going to play uh, all the way back in week three. Here he is from yesterday. Yeah, I mean, we didn't figure out until that Saturday, the day uh, before the Ravens game. So, you know, all week it was just swelling, bruise. And then once the swelling can go down, that's when we got the MRI and then the MRI came back and we found out Saturday evening, you know, it was a rotator cuff. And um, usually you sit out, but, you know, I told, you know, the people, the medical staff as a, as a whole that, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, Sunday morning and let's try to get there early and, and work out. And we did that and, you know, we couldn't go. Are you concerned that this is going to linger at all this year that's going to affect your passing through the season? Or do you think that you'll be... 100, 100% at some point uh, this year? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I got This is my first time dealing with a rotator cuff, so uh, I'm just trying to get as comfortable as I possibly can to go out there and perform at the, the level I know I can. That's not so much of the pain. It's, it's, most, it's mostly if I can, you know, throw the football. The pain, you know, I can, I can deal with certain pain, you know, tolerance, but if I can't control the football, I can't throw the football with no velocity. If I can't throw the football more than a certain you know amount of yards then like I said before then I, I don't want to handicap the team because you know then I can't get the ball downfield and um, you know I can't get the ball outside the numbers and things like that so um, like I said that was you know a couple weeks ago but you know the progress in the arrow is definitely upward and um, you know we we just going to continue to just attack it each and every day. It was week four, by the way, that he missed the Ravens right. game. Week three was when the injury happened against the Tennessee Titans. Oh, right there. Now, Chris. That's what it did. Now, now, now look. Well, see, and that's why, number one, don't run the ball. Number two, when you run the ball, don't put yourself in harm's Ooh, way. He takes no a head right the in the deck. shoulder no. here. Yeah, yeah, right here. There it is. Yeah. There it is. Bang. So, look, what he said about the MRI, getting the results on Saturday yeah. night, finding out it's a rotator cuff, going out there the next day and just trying to, that doesn't mesh 
Not totally. Completely. You're right. Yeah. With what Kevin Stefanski had said. And the way that they had set all this up, he says he's playing. He says he's playing. We're going to see how he looks on Sunday morning. That's what happened. This new wrinkle of the MRI with the rotator cuff, the information coming Saturday night, that, that's, that is precisely the kind of information that somebody needed to leak to somebody. And we know there's a swarm of people looking to get that information about who's going to play and who's not going to play. If that gets out there, if there's a chance, if you're thinking he's not going to play, it's in his interest to get that narrative changed. It's in the interest for the players to know because there were players who were confused after the game. We've talked about this. That's why I've been so intrigued by this. I get the phone call at 5.04 p.m. Eastern that Sunday. Hey, there's some guys in the locker room that are like, what the hell? He said he's playing all week, and now he taps out on Sunday morning. It would have been nice for them to know that this MRI came back with the rotator cuff thing and it looked like he wasn't going to play. That's, that's a new fact that changes how you view whether or not he should have played, and it conflicts with the Kevin Stefanski medically cleared. Yeah. He made the decision not to play. No, that, that's yeah. information that should have been volunteered by Kevin Stefanski three weeks ago, not information that Deshaun Watson is sharing with us for the first time now. And this is all part of how you present facts to the media, and the media processes them and either says – that adds up or something doesn't make sense here. Right, right. Well, yeah, that's why, you know, you, you do have to be careful as a head coach and the message you send as a coach, you know, to the public, to the media, you know, your team's listening, right? I mean, I used to go home and get done with practice and go home and sit there and, you know, wife would make me dinner and you'd have the local news on and, hey, hey, next is going to be John Gruden talking about, you know, he took questions today and I'd listen because I'd be like, I don't know what he said. I'd like to hear what he talked about with the game today. Let's hear what he said to the reporters. All right. So, yeah, people are listening to that stuff. And that's what's like where Stefanski, I don't know why he said it or what the reasoning was, but the medically cleared thing, I think, is what, you know, put more pressure on the situation, more of a spotlight on the situation. And certainly, I think, probably made Deshaun Watson's life a little uncomfortable there. Uh, that that's the big thing, right? We we talked about this a little bit last week. There's a difference between medically cleared and being able to go out and play your best and throw your fastball, right? Okay, yeah, structurally everything's medically cleared or whatever. But if your labrum's beat up and bruised up a little bit there, right? And obviously it was, and and thank God there's no tear there. But obviously it took a jolt to where, yes, it's uncomfortable and it got moved a little out of place and, and got torqued in a way it shouldn't that, you know, this is where, uh, okay, medically cleared, whoop de doo but we got to be more than medically cleared. I got to be able to throw a 15-yard a, a comeback with f 58 miles per hour with a pretty big object in an NFL football. I need to be able to be on my back foot and maybe throw a 65-yard post to Amari Cooper and let it go. And that's where, you know, medically clear doesn't mesh with ready to play football. And I don't understand where they use that. And yeah, this is a tough, sensitive area for a quarterback. I've gone through this a little bit, like I told you, and I was medically cleared. And I remember going into like week four of practice after I was medically cleared going, damn, I still don't have quite the control and velocity and just absolute torque and snap in my shoulder the way I did. Right. I mean, you feel it when your rotator is hurt 
hurt and you get to these positions where it starts to, okay, now I'm going to really come through and, you know, grip the ball and rip it. You start to go, oh, man, oh, oh, I can't quite do it. I, ooh, okay, let me just throw it smooth. Okay, that feels better. And that's what I think he's going through. And it sounds like what he's going through. And I know a few people that have let me know that that's what he's going through right now. That's why the term medically cleared never should have been used. Exactly right. Exactly. And I'm sure... I'm sure he would acknowledge that. Yeah, I think he would. Stefanski's he a pretty to. good guy. That probably way, for shouldn't sure. have said. Right. Probably shouldn't have said medically cleared because right. for most players, medically cleared is the license to go out there and play. Yeah. I'm medically cleared. All right, let's go. It creates that. Hey, all right, I'm medically cleared. Yeah. I'm good to go. Oh, I might not be 100, percent but nobody's 100. percent Now, Chris, here's the question: When you consider how good the Browns' defense is, and it is historically dominant, at what point do you settle for? Deshaun Watson less than 100 versus P.J. Walker or Dorian Thompson Robinson at 100, especially as one of them plays and starts to get a little wear and tear too. So you see if it's P.J. Walker, he's 98, 97, 93, 92. He's banged up a little bit, and here's Deshaun hovering around 80. Like at what point do you say, okay, he can't throw it 60 yards down the field. He can't throw the 30-yard out route, but he can do a lot of the stuff we need to do to make this offense go Oh, and he can still run the ball if we need him to run. We don't want him taking big hits on the shoulder, but he can still run the ball if we need him to run. At what point do you think they say, you know, hey, Deshaun, you may not be able to make all the throws, but you can make enough of them yeah. that you're going to help our offense do enough because our defense is the thing that's carrying the show this year. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I kind of always look at that sweet spot of being like, like, you know, again, with lack of a better way to explain it, like 90 percent, 85 to 90 percent. And and within that, you know, they might have to tell them, hey, we're going to manage you, too. We're, we're not we're not going to ask you, but we need you out there because like the two backup quarterbacks we started this year, they can't even manage the game the right way. It's a miracle we won that game last week with our quarterback throwing two interceptions in our own territory, and we gave up a touchdown because of one of them, and the other one, he threw it, and our defense was so damn good that we knocked them out of field goal position, and they had to punt the freaking ball. They couldn't even kick the field goal. It's hard to live that way in the NFL, to your point, and you're right. I, I, I would think that... You know, another game like that, they might push him along a little bit to go, hey, we just trust you to manage the game the right way. We know you've been out there and done that, and we'll manage you. We're not going to ask you to do anything crazy. But I think it's a little bit of like, you know, comfort and control. And yeah, you know, does he have to have his absolute best fastball? No. But the thing he does have to have and what could be affected here, again, when you try to keep things tight and control it to throw accurate footballs, at times it can feel like, man, I just don't have the ability to tighten my arm and really control the ball the way I want all the way through from my grip all the way up to my shoulder. And, you know, hopefully they can get to a point where that gets close to 100% to where they go, okay, your fastball is not there, but your control's there. And we trust you, you know, with the bright lights on you more than these other two guys. Let's get you out there and do that. And I, I think if he gets to that point, I don't think Deshaun Watson's a guy that's going to be like, oh, no, I still don't want to play. He's going to play. As long as he feels like, hey, I can go and help the team and I'm, I'm, I've got control of the football here and I'm not hurting myself any worse, I have no doubt that that guy will get out there and play football again. We don't know whether or not we're going to see Deshaun Watson when the Colts host the Browns on Sunday. We do know that we're not going to see 
Anthony Richardson, the Colts starter. We're not going to see him again Man. for the rest of the year. This has been coming for several days. Jim Irsay, the owner of the Colts, hinted at it on Monday. There were reports on Sunday. Season-ending shoulder surgery because of that grade 3 AC joint sprain. Yesterday at the October annual league meetings, they do them in October, December, March, and May, Jim Irsay said this. This comes from Jory Epstein of Yahoo. Like John Landau said about Bruce Springsteen back in 1974, I've seen the future of rock and roll, and his name is Bruce Springsteen. Well, I've seen the future of the NFL, and his name is Anthony Richardson, and I believe it. And look, this is Jim Irsay being Jim Irsay. This is the guy who said Andrew Luck was going to win, what, 17 Super Bowls? This is the guy who has been as big of a carnival barker as Jerry Jones over the past 20 years. So even if Anthony Richardson ultimately can't stay healthy, and I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, Chris, as it relates to the top quarterbacks in this year's draft class, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, there was a concern for some about the way Richardson played, Yeah, about the way he absorbs contact. Right. You know, there is a skill that crosses the line to instinct yeah. of how to take a hit so something on you right. doesn't get busted when you take that hit. And one of the concerns for Richardson was this guy's going to get hurt because he's taking hits in kind of an awkward way that when he's getting hit by NFL players, it's going to be a problem. And here we are, concussion already, and now a serious shoulder injury that's wiped him out for the full season. Hey, the NFL game, you know, college is great. But if people sit on the sideline and watch a college football game and they sit on the sideline and watch an NFL game, they, I think they'd understand more. And they'd go, whoa, this is a whole different level of violence and speed on the football field. And I don't say that to disrespect anybody in college. I mean, of course, I love college. I went to the University of Texas. We had ballers all over the field. But still not as many ballers as you got in the NFL. And, of course, you're not coached the same way. And it's not grown men who are fighting for their life and their next paycheck and trying to stay, as we all know, it's basically a one-year contract for most of football except for the three or four best players on your football team. So the game is crazy violent that way. It really is. The field is so much smaller in the NFL because guys don't make, make mistakes the way you are coached. And, yeah, Anthony Richardson, it doesn't, who, it doesn't matter whoever you are, especially at quarterback. When you get to the NFL, you've got to protect yourself. We've only seen one guy really be able to go, like, I'm going to play a physical brand of football and bring it to the defense the same way they bring it to me and stay healthy for the most part of his career uh, and that's Cam Newton. He's the only one I've seen to pull it off. And, of course, his career didn't last as long as it probably should have because of that. But, but yeah, you know, Anthony Richardson, when you're the beast, right? And, and again, I'm saying that an endearing. He's a beast. He's been every field he's ever been on in his life. He's gone, wait, I'm the freaking man here. I could take on the DN, the D tackle, the linebacker. It doesn't matter. It's going to be a fair fight. Here we go. So he hasn't thought about ever protecting himself or doing anything. He's just always gone, raw, I'm bigger. I'm going to run you over. I'm going to kick your ass, right? So now there's the adjustment period that you've talked about so much with other quarterbacks and having to, yeah, adjust your clock, your, your, you know, your, your frame of thinking of when to slide and do any of that. And, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be okay after all of this and uh 
You know, it's a great quote by Jim Irsay, too, by the way. Upper, right, and even beyond that, yeah. just when you upper quartile of the upper quartile upper of his Amen. of his quotes, Amen. at least that was upper quartile, at least, man. <laughs> at least this one makes sense. So you know, it was characterized as the most Jim Irsay quote ever. No, the most Jim Irsay quote ever makes no sense. That's the Jim Irsay <laughs> that we've come to know and love. This one makes too much sense to be a Jim Irsay quote. Um, but 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 look, it's not just avoiding the contact. It's what you do when you take the hit. That was one of the things I noticed about Russell Wilson early in his career. It's not that he didn't get hit. Back when he was like, I mean, not that he's bad now, but he was different in his earlier days with the Seahawks. When he would get hit, he it was like a Barry Sanders thing where you never saw Barry Sanders take a big hit. He took plenty of hits, but he never took a big hit. You never saw Russell Wilson take a big hit. It's like that thing when, you know, like if 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 you're going to if something's going to hit you, like a car's moving slow speed, if you brace yourself, you're more likely to get hurt than if you just kind of go with it and let it let it toss you. Yeah, like right. that that there's just something about understanding instinctively at a cellular level how to how to take those hits. And if you resist it too much, it's going to create a problem, and the Colts have a problem now. It's Gardner Minshew, as long as he stays healthy. Uh, you know, we're going to get to the point where there's so many backups playing, the backups are going to get injured. But for now, it's Gardner Minshew and maybe P.J. Walker on Sunday in a pretty consequential game between the 3-3 three and three Colts and yeah. the 3-2 three and two. Uh, two yeah. Browns. I hate this time of year where I know, some it's, teams it's have had off. buys and yeah. some teams <laughs> haven't. Who's played five and who's played six? Right. But, but it All is right, funny, and it's ironic, too. I mean, as much right. as the NFL is trying to is protect it quarterbacks. Is it ironic? I think it is. Is it ironic? Uh, uh, a, a little too ironic, actually. <laughs> I really do think. Um, but, yes, I think that, you know, it is funny that the NFL, of course, is trying to protect these quarterbacks. And the new thing in the NFL is let's get quarterbacks that can run and not protect themselves down the football field. I don't know. I mean, it's it just it, it's it's uh, it's crazy. But I think we're going to see more and more of this because you know the, these guys are playmakers and they're t- tough to defend. Well, hey, we saw Josh Allen, who was limited in practice yesterday, take a you know a big hit, Ooh. land on the ground hard last week. Yep. We, we and we've seen that when when you run the ball. There's an extra obligation on you to weave through traffic, avoid getting hit, and when you do get hit, have that instinct, and either you do or you don't, to take the hit in a way that doesn't get you injured. That's why Patrick Mahomes is so good. Because when he starts, one of the many reasons why he's so good, yeah. when he starts weaving through traffic, it's it's globetrotter stuff. And it's like people are just standing around watching. They don't know what to do. And he's not like sprinting through. It's not like... You know, it's Roadrunner stuff. No, he's just kind of there. He he's goes. Like Gumby and everybody's and like, "What do we do?" And yeah, and he's loose. Yeah. And if you tackle him, like you said, he just goes with it and lets you fling him around to a degree. You know, he's got that great instinct, which a lot of the great ones do. To your point, Mike. Him, of course, Brady. Brady was a master at it. Right, did it from in the pocket. But well, you know, just kick you. Well, <laughs> you're such a jerk. But yeah, but yeah, okay. you know, they they do. Spot they all the lie, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's he kicked people multiple times. He slid cleats up and and uh, got Ed Reed right in the crotch one time. And remember last year, it was right around this time. He kicked Grady, Grady Jarrett twice him. in one game, and then also tried to yeah. trip somebody after an interception. <laughs> so yeah, there's there's been a lot there. All right, uh, all right, let's take a break uh, before we we make Tommy even more upset than we already have. Kyler Murray. 
Back at practice, 310 days after we last saw him play. Back at practice, when will we see him on the field for the Arizona Cardinals? And doesn't matter, they're 1-5. in five. More PFT Live right after this. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.